The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Living Natural Today. Out with toxins, in with your health. Your host is Teresa Jungling. Although not a doctor, Teresa's extensive research enabled her to take control of her health after unexplainable health symptoms began taking a toll on her life. What Teresa has learned and what will be discussed with experts on today's show will undoubtedly help you too. Join us now for an hour that could quite literally change your life. Now, here's Teresa. Hello and welcome to Living Natural Today, Out with Toxins, In with Your Health, where we come every week to share resources for minimizing toxins in order to live a healthier lifestyle. I'm your host, Teresa Jungling, and I'm excited to be here with you today. I'm someone who is passionate about toxins in our food, environment, personal care products, homes, and more because they've harmed my own health, and I, I want to inform you so you don't have to go down the same road that I did. I'm excited to have a great guest with me today to discuss a topic both he and I are passionate about and that's GMOs. Zachary Schaefer is the Greater Detroit Area Executive Director for No GMO for Michigan. He's at the forefront of the movement to raise awareness of genetically modified organisms and food. Throughout his two years as Executive Director, he's helped grow the Metro Detroit membership to almost 800, the most in the state. Zach has led the two March Against Monsanto events in downtown Detroit. He truly enjoys informing the public about GMOs, our right to know what's in our food, and how we can eat healthier. He's been a vegetarian for 10 years and a vegan for one year. So thank you for joining me today, Zach. I'm excited to, to jump into this topic because there's so much to cover. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, thank you for having me, and uh, I, I really appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Great. Well, I met you probably two years ago or so at, at a local green festival here in Metro Detroit. And at that time, you were starting to spread awareness about GMOs in our area. So I'm just so grateful that uh, non or no GMO for Michigan has grown since then, and I'm thankful for your efforts in our state. Um, however, GMOs are more than a state or national issue; they're they're even a world issue. So we're going to address GMO as a as a whole today. Um, first right. off, yeah. First off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Maybe give us a little bit of your background. Sure. Well, um, I was actually born in in uh, South Korea and came to the United States in in early '80s, uh, 1981. And uh, I pretty much grew up uh, my entire life since I was five in Michigan, out in the suburbs of Detroit. Um, and I uh, went to school at Eastern Michigan University and just kind of um, basically hung around here in the state of Michigan. Um, about, I want to say, three years ago, um, I was living in downtown Detroit, and I ran into a few friends that were, uh, you know, kind of passionate about food and and um, kind of going into the into the vegetarian route. And I learned about GMOs uh, from these guys back then, along with my friend Tiffany out in California that I'm good friends with. And and when I found out what GMOs were all about, I literally um, within that week I just kind of delved into it. And learned as much as I could about uh, about GMOs and genetically modified foods and what they were. It was very fortunate I did because at that time, 
um, Diane Lanomia, also in Michigan, started up the nonprofit organization, NoGMOForMichigan.org. And uh, one thing led to another. We connected, and she asked me to help out with the organization. And since I was in the Detroit area, she asked me to be uh, one of the uh, directors. Okay, great. So can you tell us a little bit more about No GMO for Michigan and, and your role? I know you, you head up the Detroit metro area, but um, can you tell us what their goal is as an organization and, and what they are planning to do in the future? Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is a great organization. Uh, no GMO for Michigan.org, it's a nonprofit, and they are simply all about to, uh, educating the public regarding genetically modified foods. Now, a vast majority of the public, they don't understand what it is, uh, GMOs or genetically modified foods. And uh, what this organization does is it holds presentations. So there's a, a chapter in Metro Detroit, one in Grand Rapids, one in Lansing, um, one in um, Macomb County. So there's, there's kind of little areas throughout the state, and in each area there's a, a director that helps bring... Uh, a, a gathering or a crowd, they do presentations, they hold them at libraries or at um, um, any facility that they can get their hands on, whether it be uh, the city hall or, or the council, or et cetera, or even at schools. And we'll do presentations, do a little movie presentation, and then a Q&A regarding the movie, regarding genetic modified foods. And we try to sign up people to the website. Uh, when it first started a, a few years back, it was only just a handful of people. And now, if I'm not mistaken, it's about 1,700 members, um, and 1,700 members in state, that is. And there's actually a connection to the GMO movement throughout the country. And Diane, who started this, she's also one of the members of the national organization, uh, the No GMO for, uh, for labeling of a national organization. So there's several thousand members total, and but No GMO for Michigan.org in Michigan here, we're all about just trying to educate the public and trying to sign people up to the website so they can help spread their awareness. Okay. Um, and we sort of touched on this just briefly, but and, and in the intro and in your bio, um, You've been a vegan and a vegetarian, so so you've been interested in food, and, and you you explained that a little bit. But when you and I do want to get a, a full definition of you because not everyone always knows what a, a GMO is or what it stands sure. for. But but I do want to ask you that, and then I, I want to ask you um, what made you develop an interest or show a concern over GMOs once you started to learn about it. Well, you know it's a, it's a funny thing, uh, GMOs. Whether you're for it or against it, uh, I know this sounds a bit counterproductive, but whether you're for it or against it is actually not the, the issue. The, the fundamental issue regarding genetically modified foods is actually uh, the, the right to know. Um, and, and you're going to have people that are for it, and you're going to have people that are, are, are against it. But the ultimate, ultimate issue, uh, the debate, is we have the right to know what's in the food. And it needs to be labeled. It needs to be identified. And that way you have the choice to make on your own whether you want it or not. At this point, it's unlabeled. It's not uh, out there. And people are eating it uh, unbeknown to themselves and feeding it to their kids, et cetera. And they have no clue. They have no idea. So it's really about the fundamental right to know for your own and your own choice. Now, when I got into it, I, when I realized what GMOs were, I, I, I realized, well, okay, there's this is something that this is, they're tainting our food, and it's taken on a different level where not only are they modifying it and not telling us, but they're slipping it into our food supply. 
start telling without telling us, and that right there was the biggest issue with me. It it it, it kind of infringes on your your fundamental right, you know, to to know what you're eating and to know exactly what uh, is happening to our food. So that's what really got me into, involved so heavily. Not whether it's it's for it or against it, but why is it not labeled? Why don't I have the right? to choose whether I want it or not. And that's when I just jumped in with both feet. I totally agree. So um, if you can give us now, GMO stands for genetically modified organism for those who might not have heard of it. Um, And I am thankful that, you know, I heard about GMOs a few years ago and, and it seems like in these past few years, and it is because of organizations like yours and others throughout the the U.S. that um, awareness is starting to grow about it. So that's great because more and more people, um, They've heard of it at least. They might not not be familiar what it is exactly, but they have heard the term GMO. So, can you give us a um, define what a GMO actually is? Absolutely. So, uh, like you said, GMOs stand for genetically modified foods. Now, the people that are making GMOs are they're trying to change the game because people are getting savvy to what's going on. They're also calling it bioengineered now, bioengineered crops or bioengineered foods. Which still, again, implies, implies the same thing. But uh, basically, genetically modified foods is when they take a toxic bacteria called Bt. Uh, it's a toxic bacteria that's found in the soil. They take that bacteria, they, they take the DNA from that bacteria, and then they splice it on the DNA level of the crop, for instance, corn or soy. So as the corn or soy is growing, because it has this toxic bacteria splice into it on a DNA level, that corn is now a pesticide. It is, it is literally toxic. And any bug that eats any part of that corn, it, you know, it ingests it, it ruptures its stomach, and it kills the bug. It is literally an insecticide. The way they came about this, they were actually spraying the fields with glyphosate, with this uh, toxic pesticide, and everything was dying except for this BT, this toxic bacteria. So the scientists thought, well, let's take it a step further. Let's take that bacteria, splice it into the crop. That way we don't have to spray as much, so the thought was. And the crop can actually do the killing. Why, why, why do we have to spray? We, the crop can actually kill the bugs, so less spraying. And that's exactly what they did. Well, fast forward, there's future consequences from it, which we'll get to. But genetically modified foods is simply that, the toxic bacteria spliced genetically on a DNA level with the corn or the soy DNA, and the corn is growing, as it's growing, it's a, it's a toxic pesticide. That same corn is on the shelves. We're eating it. We're feeding it to our kids. And, um, and this has been going on for a lot longer than people realize. Right. Now, um, when did GMOs become developed, or when, when did they um, become introduced into our food supply? Well, you know, GMO has been around for an early 90s, and I distinctively remember when they actually got a patent on this, on, on the genetic modified food. It was on the cover of Time magazine, and, and if, if I want to remember serves right, I think it was 90, 1992, 9192. Um, it was a big thing because not only do they genetically modify it, but they can also get a patent on it, and it was the first living thing that had a patent on it, so it was a really big deal. They've been testing genetically modified foods or GMOs or genetics uh, pertaining to food and crops, et cetera, for a very long time, but it really came out in the market in the early 90s, 92, 93, and, it, and the first crop that they tried it on, believe it or not, was tobacco, 
to see if it would actually even grow. Will it grow if we splice its bacteria uh, with its tobacco plant? And it did. Uh, then they went on to cotton, and it, it, it grew. And then they went on to the tomato, and it kept going and going, and it proceeding on. And it became public where people were eating it in the early 90s, 94, 93, 94-ish. Okay. So and, it's been 25-plus years. Right, right. And I don't think that, you know, even today, you know, like I said, a lot of people aren't even aware of them. So um, back in the 90s, for sure, people wouldn't have known about them. So, Not at um, all, yeah. Yeah. It, now, who a, owns – I'm sorry? Go, go ahead, go ahead. Well, and you had mentioned that the seeds are patented. And who owns the seeds or who's, who started this, I guess, this whole process? Well, there's a, a, a handful of companies that are largely responsible for genetically modified foods. The biggest one is Monsanto, and uh, Monsanto is a biochemical company that is uh, their headquarters is in St. Louis, Missouri, and Monsanto has been around for a very long time. They are responsible for a, a slew of chemicals that have done some pretty uh, uh, horrendous things. Uh, Agent Orange of the Vietnam War, 2,4-D, they are responsible for that. Aspartame, uh, which you can find in Diet Coke and uh, gum and candy, etc., they're responsible for that. And Monsanto, uh, they decided to go ahead and get into the biological warfare of, regarding food. And they started genetically modifying it, and they're the they're the biggest uh, players in this in this arena. There's also um, Syngenta, uh, and there's a, a BAS, BAS, FBS, BAS. I'm sorry, it's a German company. I'm, I'm drawing a yeah, blank B- on it. BASF, I believe. Yeah. Thank you, BASF. And they're also in on it. So there's Dow Chemical is also another player, but the biggest one is Monsanto. They are a global conglomerate regarding genetic modified foods. They own uh, over 50 percent of genetic modified seeds that are on the on the planet on the planet, mm-hmm. and uh, and they're the, they're certainly the biggest players. Um, it's it's astounding that what they're doing with our food on a on a chemical level on the level is is really quite alarming, and the the most alarming part is a vast majority of people and thankfully people are starting to get hip to it and aware of it, but a vast majority of people still don't know what genetic modified foods are. We're eating it by the spoonful, and uh, and that's why this no GMO for Michigan dot org exists. That's why No GMO USA exists. Uh, March Against Monsanto, if people are familiar with that, that exists, and that's going to happen every year. So we just have to kind of keep informing the public. Right. Now, how often are those are annual events, the March Against Monsanto? Or are they yeah, a couple times a yeah, year? Yeah, it's interesting. March Against Monsanto happens every year, uh, May 25th. Right? The last one... Um, I'm sorry, two years ago, when it came out, um, and when I was leading that march in, in here in Metro Detroit, I, there was about 400 people here just in, in, in downtown Detroit. Uh, we had the bullhorn, and, and people were marching with the banners. This isn't just in Metro Detroit. There was about 1,500 in Grand Rapids. This is a global march. March Against Monsanto is literally a global thing. Because people want to know what's in our food. This is just a fundamental right. And they are marching against Monsanto, who is keeping this from the public, the labeling. March against Monsanto happened, like I said, March 25th. Two years ago, over 2 million people marched 
This march happened in over 40 countries, 40 countries, on over 400 cities. It was a global event, and there was not a tiny, uh, no, nothing on the radar of the television, of the media, of the radio coverage. There was nothing. Monsanto has the power to completely shut this down. And they have done so effectively. There was, again, you know, the following year, there was another march. And in New York alone, there was over 5,000 people marching. Nothing. Nothing on the news, local, national, or otherwise. You might have gotten something here and there in the newspaper, very tiny. But something of this scale, this magnitude, you would think that you would have something in the news. Nope. Monsanto shut it down. They were very effective at doing that. Right. And that is so sad. And um, I'm thankful, at least for the Internet and for everybody out there who's sharing on social media and their blogs and things like that to try to get the word out about GMOs. Absolutely. Because, like, yeah, Absolutely. like you said, media is not doing it, unfortunately. So um, yeah. we're going to go to break very shortly. But before we do, I want to just reverse the road just for a second here before we go to commercial. You know, you and I, I I'm very strong against GMOs, but um, I do want to try to see if if there is some potential reasoning as to why someone would be in favor of GMOs. So can you maybe give a reason why um, the pro-GMO, pro-GMO crowd sees GMOs as a, as a benefit and why they were developed in the first place? What they- yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, and again, there's always two sides of the, to the issue, and there are people that are for genetic modified foods. Some of the benefits that they were claiming is that um, genetic modified foods, they were drought resistant. They could grow in areas that have very little rainfall or were, where water was a scarcity. Um, and because they were genetically modified, that they were able to withstand the drought. That was one of the benefits. The other benefit was it was going to create a bigger yield, uh, you know, less planting, smaller um, uh, planting of the, of the field, and you can have a, a twofold yield on it. Another reason was there was not enough food throughout the world, so genetically modified food, because it was creating a bigger yield, would actually help serve the third world countries um, you know, by, by planting these crops. But over time, it has literally failed in almost every single aspect of the, of the benefits that they were claiming that these crops, they weren't growing in, in drought-resistant um, where there was drought. They were not doing so well. They were not creating more yield. And in terms of feeding third-world countries, it was completely the opposite. It wasn't about the, the lack of food. It was actually about the distribution of food. There's plenty of food around. But people are convinced that genetic modified foods are, uh, some of them, you know, are convinced that they are a good thing, that they do help feed third world countries, and, and that uh, supposedly it's going to help, you know, um, help produce more food. And, and so far, we just haven't seen that case. Okay. Okay. Thank you for, for showing the other side, too, of what, what their thought process might have been in the beginning. Um, we are going to take a short break right now, but when we come back, we'll continue to talk to Zach about GMOs. So be sure to tweet pound LNT Radio if you have a comment or question, and we look forward to talking with you in just a few moments. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Teresa Jungling of Living Natural Today is a fierce advocate for health and wellness. She knows firsthand how one's health can be damaged as a result of toxins, stress, and an unhealthy diet. To learn more about how toxins can impact your health, please visit her website at www.livingnaturaltoday.com. Sign up to receive her free newsletter and, as her gift to you, receive a free guide chock full of useful resources, including links to real food bloggers and recipes, information on organic standards, GMOs, chemicals, recommended safe products, and much more. If you are someone who wants to minimize your exposure to toxins in and around your home or are someone who simply wants to live a more natural and healthy lifestyle, then Living Natural Today's 14-day program to better health is for you. In this 14-day program, you'll receive practical steps and recommendations that will help root out toxins in your food, home, personal care products, and more. With daily email guidance, videos, and detoxification tips, this program is sure to open your eyes and transform your health. Sign up today at livingnaturaltoday.com. Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Living Natural Today. Out with toxins, in with your health. To reach Teresa or her guests on the show, please tweet using hashtag LNTRadio. You may also send an email to radio at livingnaturaltoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, everyone. I'm Teresa Jungling. Thank you for joining us. I'm back with my guest, Zach Schaefer from No GMO for Michigan. We're going to continue our discussion about GMOs, so let's get right back into it. Um, Zach, before we, we were talking about GMOs and what they are and, and their seeds, how they've been patented, things like that, now I want to um, ask you, I know that there are certain crops that are more high risk than others. Um, can you name some of the, or give us some of the foods that are very highly uh, probable Absolutely. to be genetically modified? Absolutely. Um, there's four main crops that are um, especially on, on, are very at high risk, and they are corn, soy, canola oil, and sugar from sugar beets. About 85 to 90 percent of all processed foods contain one of these ingredients. So, 85 to 90 percent of, of processed foods and 80 to 90 percent of the foods that we eat contain genetically modified ingredients. And again, they're not labeled. So, when you go to the grocery store and you turn that package over, if, if you see corn, cornstarch, high fructose corn syrup, uh, soy, um, soy protein, and if it says plain sh- just sugar, by chance that that's genetically modified. Canola oil, cottonseed oil, these are all genetically modified. They've been genetically modified for, you know, 25-plus years. And because they're not labeled, they are, chances are they are genetically modified and you're, you're consuming it. The only time that it's uh, blatantly obvious is if it's obviously been uh, verified by the No GMO Project uh, organization, or if it says organic, by federal mandate, if it's organic, they cannot use genetically modified ingredients up to 0.9%. Uh, there's been such contamination from the genetically modified crops to standard regular crops that there's no such thing as, as pure corn, pure soy. It's been all cross-contaminated. So the international standard is 0.9%. If it's organic, 
they can't use certain pesticides and, and insecticides, et cetera, and they can't use up to 0.9% of genetically modified foods or, or 0.9% or under of genetically modified ingredients. So that's the only way you know. But if it's just cereal is a perfect example, cornflakes. You know, if it says cornflakes and it's not organic and it's not labeled genetic, uh, non-GMO project verified, there is a good chance that that is genetically modified. Right. And, and thank you for mentioning the ways because um, I try to stress to the audience all the time, you know, the way that you're going to avoid them is either buy organic or if you can't find organic, look for the, the non-GMO project verified uh, label. Yes. So, yeah, definitely, definitely. And now you, you did speak, um, and this is a question I wanted to get to, but, but um, you mentioned it, so I do want to ask you right now, the uh, potential risk for cross-contamination of GMOs. Um, there's, a, there's a buffer between farms, correct? If it's an organic farm, they have to have a certain distance between others, but, but there is risk for cross-contamination at times, correct? Absolutely. You know, that buffer zone that you were talking about, it's, it's almost, um, you know, some farmers, it, they'll go on to say it's almost laughable uh, about this buffer zone because it, it, it's un, not unheard of where crops or flowers or, or certain uh, species of plant will cross-pollinate or cross, you know, contaminate into um, the field that, that is literally 50 miles away, that are 60 miles. You know, it's, it's, of course. So this is a very easy thing to happen, uh, the cross-contamination and the cross-pollination. The buffer zone that they're talking about is minimal. It's minimal. It, I mean, I think it's even maybe 10 miles, if, if, if that at all. Um, so it's, it's really kind of um, silly to think that, you know, you have 10 miles of space between each other or under, and that should serve enough distance from genetically modified crops to the organic crops. And that is simply not the case whatsoever. Genetically modified crops have cross-contaminated non-GMO crops, corn, for instance. And because the cross-contamination is so heavy, we don't have standard corn, standard uh, um, species of corn that's non-GMO. And they're unable to identify how much of the contamination has occurred. So you can go into a field where it is just standard corn and test it. Well, is it is it ten percent of the field? Is it thirty percent? They just don't know. That's why we had that point nine percent or under. Because, again, unless you test every single piece of corn on this, you know, three thousand acre field, farm, it's just not possible. Um, so the cross contamination is a very big concern. And farmers who are trying diligently to go organic and farm organic, they are, you know, their backs up against the wall because they are getting heavily contaminated and polluted by. Uh, genetic modified fields. That's the scary part is once you have introduced this into the food system, how it's just going to start taking over everything, which it has already. <laughs> it, so, it is. Yeah. It's, I'll tell you, it's shocking because it's, it's funny. These, the, the organic farmers or the farmers that are trying to uh, farm the standard uh, method, they don't know. That, that's the scary part. If, if they test a small plot of the, of the you know, farm and it's contaminated, well, the entire field could be contaminated. It could be just part of that. They have no clue. And so once they're contaminated, that's it. Well, what do you do? This guy's been an organic farmer for 40 years. There's a perfect example of the farmer in Canada where he was, um, he was growing canola oil, uh, the, the rapeseed plant, which canola oil comes from. And he'd been doing this for 40 years. 40 years, and his entire field has been contaminated by uh, the genetically modified version of it in Canada. So 
pretty uh-huh. much completely wiped out. Forty years worth of farming of trying to you know get the best strain of it. Um, so this is a serious issue with the farmers, obviously, and the fact that it just kind of leads up to the point where not only do they not know and they have to rigorously test it, but we don't know. We, we, right. we just simply don't know, and we're still eating it. Right. One of the other things that um, I see that's very harmful and, and um, others see that's harmful is the amount of pesticides that are sprayed on the genetically modified crops because um, you get super weeds who become you know resistant to what they are you know trying to kill them with, and so then they have to create more pesticides and more pesticides. So can you um, just speak about that just for a moment, about the pesticides that are, the amount of pesticides that are being put on? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of funny. Somebody said, um, and I forgot, uh, forgive me, I forgot who said this or if I read this somewhere, but it said nature always finds a way to pretty much outsmart us or always uh, nature has this resilience about, about itself where it will always be on top. And that is certainly true. We created genetic modified foods thinking that we're going to outsmart nature and just get one jump ahead by rather than spraying the field with this chemical, let the, let the plants do the killing. Let's, you know, let's, let's put it into the plant so we don't have to spray. We, we don't have to spray as much. Mm-hmm. That was true. That is still true. The plants are doing the killing and they're killing the bugs, the, um, the worm, et cetera, the aphids. It is killing, uh, when they're eating it. But, when they're spray and they still spray because it's not doing all the killing. It, 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 everything is, is uh, you know, the things that are not eating the plants are still around it. So they're still spraying the field. Well, what ended up happening was the weeds became very resistant to the, the pesticide that they were using, the glyphosate. And because it became more resistant to it, um, Monsanto or Syngenta, they had to constantly come up with a new batch or a new formula of a pesticide. On top of that, the bugs themselves were starting to become resistant to the spray. So they had to constantly adapt their chemicals, and they had to add more chemicals, and they had to add, use, uh, use different chemicals. The latest one right now out of Dow Chemical uh, Company is, is 2,4-D. 2,4-D is the main ingredient in Agent Orange. It's, it's a... Um, it's a plant killer, pretty much, where they sprayed in Vietnam, and it completely eliminated every single piece of vegetation. So they splice the 2,4-D into the into the crop, and they're spraying the, the fields with 2,4-D, with basically Agent Orange, because the, the plants are starting to become too resistant to glyphosate. The, the bugs are becoming too resistant. So they're... <laughs> it's funny. These chemical companies are scrambling to find more powerful chemicals to spray on it, and this is the same food that we're eating, by the way. Right. And again, nature is constantly finding a way to become resistant, and it's just a vicious cycle. Right, and that leads right into my next question is, um, are we seeing, you know, health results because of GMOs? I, I'm one who believes that, you know, we're seeing so many more digestive problems and food allergies and, and you know, diseases growing rampant, and are some of these associated with GMOs? I personally believe they are, but um, can you can you tell us some of the, the health risks? And I know GMOs have not been um, properly tested, I guess, but there was the rat study, and there, there's different things that, um, had, you know, tests have come out or, or tried to come out, but... Um, they haven't been tested sure. as thoroughly as, they, as thoroughly as they should. But um, can you address the health issues and, and even if um, there's been testing done? 
Absolutely. You know, the health issues are pretty pretty rampant. And in all fairness, there have been zero testing on humans, on human consumption of genetically modified foods. Zero. To this day, there's no official testing. Uh, the bad news is we are actually the test subjects. We've been eating it for 25-plus years or 30 years. We are the test subjects, the long-term study on, on genetically modified foods. They did testing on the animals, and you mentioned the, the rats. It was a, it's a very famous study, the Cialini Project, uh, Professor Cialini in France. He, he fed GMO, uh, he fed mice genetically modified ingredients in the genetically modified foods. And 70% of the mice ended up dying prematurely. Uh, and that 30% that was remaining, they ended up developing, developing some pretty severe tumors of the mammary glands, specifically of the mammary glands. And I, I, I point that out because uh, the mammary glands in the mice translates over to, in humans, breast, mammary glands, breast cancer. And because we haven't been tested, we haven't, we haven't tested on humans, we don't know. In all fairness, we don't know. But I find it very interesting, uh, and it's a... Uh, quite a coincidence that since genetically modified foods came on the market 25 plus years ago, that the rash of human illnesses caused by food has absolutely exploded. Breast cancer has absolutely exploded. Crohn's disease, celiac disease, infertility. Seralini, when he fed the mice GMO ingredients, many of the mice couldn't bear offspring after the second generation. They became infertile. And coincidentally, fertility clinics, infertility has absolutely exploded. And what was it about 25 years ago? So I don't know if this is coincidence. It all kind of leads to a very uh, suspicious path. And I, I don't think you have to be, to be blind to start connecting the dots and seeing exactly what this picture is, is, is painting, has presented itself. Um, and like I said, in all fairness, there is no study, but we are the study. We are the subjects, and it's not looking good. Right, and you can see the correlation definitely. Now, there's been studies also that um, have found GMOs in, in babies, right, that were passed on from their moms to the babies, That's correct? Right. Yeah, they found GMO ingredients in the, in the blood uh, in the blood cord, uh, the blood of the, uh, uh, of the fetus, the umbilical cord. And there was a study in Canada that, that, that was um, done not too long ago where when they tested the blood, they found the genetic modified, they found GMO ingredients, and they found the pesticides specifically in the blood. So the glyphosate, the 2,4-D, it showed that not only if the mother was exposed and she was consuming it, it was likely that she was passing that on to her, her, her fetus uh, through the bloodstream. And it was, as a result, these kids are now you know, infected with, uh, with these ingredients. So it, it shows that the resiliency of these chemicals, the resiliency of the, the genetically modified ingredients, they don't stop once you consume it. Once you consume it, 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 keeps, it keeps going. It's almost like a factory. Uh, and in fact, Jeffrey Smith, uh, he is a huge advocate against genetic modified foods. In fact, he uh, made the movie... Um, uh, genetic uh, Roulette. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, I'm telling you. Genetic Roulette. <laughs> and he was uh, one of the big advocates of trying to get this labeling here uh, there in California. And, and he was the one that, that, sh- that said, you know, this is, it's like a factory 
inside your system. Once you consume GMO ingredients, you would think that you would digest it and pass through. That's not the case. It actually literally is a factor in your in your intestine and through your gut bacteria that is literally still working uh, on a genetic level. So it's um, it's pretty alarming to see that it's actually being passed on to the infants. That's definitely alarming. So um, I, as we start winding down here a little bit, I want to get into what you had mentioned in the beginning of the show. Um, no matter where your thoughts are on GMOs, we can all probably agree that, that you know, there should be some sort of labeling out there that you know, people need to be made aware of, of what's going on and um, make their own decision if they want to consume them or not. So how many states, I know that there's a couple states coming up with Oregon and Colorado with the vote coming up, but how many other states have uh, GMO labeling laws? Well, you know, Vermont just recently passed. Um, are they in a, it passed, but are they still battling it? In they law, are. They're legally? battling it okay. because Monsanto is, is now preparing for the lawsuit. Uh, okay. they have, they're, they're, Monsanto is actually suing the entire state of Vermont <laughs> because they don't want it to be labeled, obviously. But it, it's interesting. Vermont passed it, and 9 out of 10 Americans want this labeled, want genetic modified foods labeled. Vermont was one of the first states to say, yes, we agree, we're going to get a label. But they had a, they had a clause to it where, it, um, and it was a pretty stiff clause where it had to, one of the neighboring states also had to propose a bill to get a uh, genetically modified uh, uh, foods labeled. And then they also had a combined population of a specific number to, to make this bill pass. So it was very complicated and very convoluted. Um, and I know, like I said, mentioned Colorado, California, they tried, they got shut down because they were backed by uh, Monsanto or Coca-Cola, et cetera, um, Pepsi, to, to shut uh, the labeling down. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if California is going to come back again. Hopefully they will pass as well. Michigan has um, something in the works. Um, whether that's going to come through or not, we, we have yet to see. But, you know, again, no GMO for Michigan.org will be able to help you uh, keep, keep up to date. Okay. And I know that um, within these states where the, the law has come up for a vote, uh, people are getting flooded by commercials from um, the other side. And, and who are some of these companies that are, are donating the funds towards these commercials to try to keep the labeling from happening? Right, it's it's pretty surprising. You know, I mentioned Coca Cola, and you know, if you're drinking Diet Coke, you know, aspartame is is you know, look up aspartame. It, it's going to scare you. And if you're drinking Diet Coke, really reconsider uh, about <laughs> about what aspartame is, you know, and and if it's really worth it. But Coca Cola, they've funded millions of dollars to get it shut down. And and I'm going to use California as an example. When the labeling mandate came through the the proposition, it got shut down. And they spent about $47 million combined of, of these companies, they, they pitched in about $47 million total to get it shut down where GMOs shouldn't be labeled. The grassroots, uh, like Jeffrey Smith and uh, No GMO Label in California, they spent about $9 million uh, through just pledging. And, and the margin was very close. I mean, it was 49%. You know, it was really 1% to 2% off. That, that it didn't pass. So it just shows you the power of the grassroots. But Coca-Cola, they, they donated money to, to not get genetic modified foods labeled. Of course, Monsanto, Nestle, Pepsi, um, Kellogg's. You'd be really surprised at, at, um, at 
at who is behind this um, to try and, and keep us in the dark. And why why wouldn't they want us to know about this, do you think? Dollars and cents is, is really what it kind of boils down to. It, it's all for, for the profit. If they see that there's a profit to be made and not labeling it, then they will not label it. And if they see that, and the movement is going where it will get labeled, it will eventually get labeled. I think, I, I strongly believe that it will happen. They will somehow find a way to make dollars and cents work for them, even as it's getting labeled. So I think ultimately it is about dollars and cents. It's about profit more so than anything else, regardless of health, regardless of your right to know. Um, you know, Monsanto, they are the largest controller of genetically modified foods or genetically modified plants and seeds. And they're making an enormous amount of profit, and they will stop nothing to do so. And that's why they want us to keep us in the dark. Keeping us sick, getting us sick, and keeping us sick is big business. It is that a is. huge, huge business here in the United States. Um, yep. it, right? And, and what better way, and, and honestly, this is kind of a brilliant strategy, what better way to keep you sick by using the food that you eat every day? Now, I'm not saying all the food that we're eating is making us sick. I'm not. I'm saying the food that we're eating, you should know exactly what you're eating. And ultimately, you should have the right to choose what you want to eat. That's what this is about. That's what this fight is about, more than anything else. And there will be people, I've met farmers, scientists, professors that were for genetic modified foods. Great. I agree with you. It's an amazing technology. It really is. However, I'm against it. And I'm against it, not because it's good or bad, it's because I want to know. That's it. And ultimately, it's about that choice. So when you start seeing that, hey, you know what? I'm being in the dark. I'm feeding this to my infant, and I don't know what's in it. Huh. You know, it, it, it's something, something's wrong here. There's, there's a, a fundamental right that is being excluded from you. That's why. Right. Do you do you think that um, we should have a federal labeling law instead of the individual state laws, or do you just think that's probably not going to happen? Or you know what, I I would love to. In two thousand and seven, uh, you know, President uh, Obama he promised he go on YouTube. You know, as president, I'll you know I promise to label genetically modified foods because you have the right to know what's in your food. It's just plain as day. Now I know there's a lot of presidents that make promises to get in the office, but that's a big one because again. That's about fundamental rights, fundamental right to know. On a federal level, will it ever happen? I would love to think that it would, but I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical, um, simply because the, the chief food operator of the Food and Drug Administration, his name is Michael Taylor, he was appointed chief food operator of the FDA by uh, Barack Obama. And Michael Taylor, his former job was the VP of Monsanto, and every food, genetically modified food, that comes up and is put on the shelves, it has to pass through the FDA. Well, where the pilot is the chief, he has greenlighted every single food that has come up and passed to be put on the shelves. What a bit of a conflict of interest. So you can see how Washington has their hands tied um, by Monsanto, and, and a lot, and, and that's just one example. There's a lot of Monsanto employees that have actually crossed over into the federal government and into, uh, into Washington to really get a stranglehold on not only on our food supply, but the laws, the labeling, the process itself. So would I like to see a federal uh, labeling? Absolutely. 
is it going to happen anytime soon? Uh, I guess we just we just have to keep fighting, honestly. <laughs> right, right. So we're gonna um, we're coming right up to the very end, but I do want to ask you one quick question. If you could just answer this really quickly, is yeah. there um, since this radio show is is worldwide and and I know that each state does their own thing, is is there a central resource that somebody can go to to see um, the GMO groups in their state? Or you know, well, there is. I, I, as much as I, whether you're for technology or not, Facebook. Type in GMO, no GMO from uh, USA, and there is a link. And not only that, uh, Michigan, uh, no GMO from Michigan dot org, it will actually tie you in into all of it. But no GMO uh, USA is is one of them. Um, federal uh, mandate labeling of GMO is another one. There is a slew of organizations throughout the entire country, uh, one in almost every state that okay. you can actually follow, tag, sign up on. And, and the, the national one, the national labeling GMO, is, uh, is, is another big one as well. So they're out there. There are millions, literally millions of people that are connected to this. And, um, you know, if you just want to get on board, all you have to do is just jump on that social media. It'll pop up in a second. Okay. Okay, great. Well, I, I really appreciate you coming on, Zach, because you've, you've given us a lot of great information. And um, I just thank you again for, for joining me today. And, and we have to take a short break now. Um, but I, I've really okay. enjoyed it, like I said. And, and people can um, look at the No GMO for Michigan uh, site or, like you said, um, social media or, you know, Google, find, find one in your own state. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. So listeners, don't go away because coming up, we're going to talk about some current events. But you're, you're listening to Living Natural Today, out with toxins and with your health on Voice America Radio. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. If you are someone who wants to minimize your exposure to toxins in and around your home, or are someone who simply wants to live a more natural and healthy lifestyle, then Living Natural Today's 14-day program to better health is for you. In this 14-day program, you'll receive practical steps and recommendations that'll help root out toxins in your food, home, personal care products, and more. With daily email guidance, videos, and detoxification tips, this program is sure to open your eyes and transform your health. Sign up today at livingnaturaltoday.com. Teresa Jungling of Living Natural Today is a fierce advocate for health and wellness. She knows firsthand how one's health can be damaged as a result of toxins, stress, and an unhealthy diet. To learn more about how toxins can impact your health, please visit her website at www.livingnaturaltoday.com. Sign up to receive her free newsletter and, as her gift to you, receive a free guide chock full of useful resources, including links to real food bloggers and recipes, information on organic standards, GMOs, chemicals, recommended safe products, and much more. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Living Natural Today, out with toxins, in with your health. To reach Teresa or her guests on the show, please tweet using hashtag LNT Radio. 
You may also send an email to radio at livingnaturaltoday.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back as we continue at Living Natural Today, out with toxins, in with your health. I'm your host, Teresa Jungling. Today we've been talking about GMOs, and now I want to get into some current events. Um, first off, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you know, as we were talking about GMOs and a little bit about the pesticides, recently the Environmental Protection Agency um, gave Dow Chemical the green light to use a toxic combination of the herbicide uh, 2,4-D and glyphosate. The active ingredient in Monsanto's Roundup on millions of acres of genetically engineered crops across the United States. And according to the Institute of Responsible Technology, this new herbicide called Inless Duo additionally contains unregulated amounts of the highly toxic compound dioxin. In response to the growing superweeds issue resulting from organisms that proved to be resistant to Roundup, this chemical will now be used in, conjun- in conjunction with Dow's very own Inless genetically engineered corn and soybeans. Like Roundup-ready genetically engineered organisms, these crops are designed to withstand Enlist Duo while the weeds are killed by the chemical application. Now, the Environmental Working Group says this is a huge step backwards that could have perilous consequences for public health. 2,4-D has been linked to an increased risk of Parkinson's disease, non-Hodgkin lymphoma, suppressed immune function, and other serious health problems. And the U.S. Department of Agriculture estimates that the use of 2,4-D will triple by the year 2020, exposing communities near sprayed crops to eight times more chemicals than they are today. Now, the F- Center of Food Safe- for Food Safety is taking legal action against the government to stop this new approval. They'll be asking why the federal government is listening to the chemical companies and not the scientists, doctors, and lawmakers who know uh, that more chemicals aren't the answer to the superweed problem. So we need to help them and to take a stand with these groups in the fight for toxins and, and um, chemical reform. So I have more information on my website about this at livingnaturaltoday.com. So be sure to check it out. Um, this just happened recently, but I just want to um, put a disclaimer out there that I did pre-record the show a few days in advance. So be sure to check out my social media sites and uh, my website for um, current information about this. But we need to stay on top of it. And then I want to make you aware of, um, as we mentioned during the show, Oregon and, and Colorado are coming up for a labeling vote for, for the GMO labeling. Um, Oregon's Measure 92 and Colorado's Prop 105 are citizen-led ballot issues that, if passed, will require mandatory labeling of, of GMOs in both of these states. Now, a group in Oregon is uh, organizing a thunderclap. And I posted more information about this on my website, livingnaturaltoday.com. It's a big social media campaign to encourage voters to vote yes on 92. So if you sign up, this message will be posted on your feed along with other supporters on October 28th at 12 p.m. Eastern. So you can find more information about that on my website. And then also there's um, specific websites that you can go to for each state. So for more information on Oregon's measure to label GMOs, Go to OregonRightToKnow.org, and for information on Colorado's measure, go to RightToKnowColorado.org, and both of these will give you more information about um, their labeling efforts. And then did you hear about a recent uh, Consumers Report study? You know, more than 70% of Americans say they don't want genetically modified organisms in their food, and Consumer Reports recently did a test to um, find if there are GMOs in many packaged foods, including those labeled natural. And as we've learned from past shows, natural doesn't really mean a whole lot, and, and I wouldn't waste my uh, money on them. So the consumers um, test here, they, they, they bought more than 80 different processed foods containing coin, corn and soy between April and July of this past year. 
Um, they tested at least two samples of each product, each sample from a different lot, to measure the GMO content. Then they compared the results with uh, any non-related GMO claims. Nearly all of the samples they tested of the products that did not make any non-GMO-related claim on the package did, in fact, contain substantial amounts of GMOs um, with corn and soy. And they were in familiar foods such as, you know, Kellogg's Fruit Loops, General Mills Corn Chucks, Jiffy Corn uh, Muffin Mix, Doritos, um, even vegan veggie burgers. And then four of the products um, in the group that they tested were soy-based infant formulas, and they were found there too. So virtually all the samples that they tested of the products that made only a natural claim on their label they did have substantial amounts of GMOs. So again, as we mentioned earlier in in past shows, buy organic or look for the non-GMO project verified label in order to eat without uh, food without GMOs. Then I wanted to make you aware of a a campaign going on. It's called the Teal Pumpkin Project. I'm not sure if you're familiar about this. I just heard about it for Halloween. Uh, The Teal Pumpkin Project is the effort of the Food Allergy Research and Education Organization. Teal is the color of food allergy awareness. Food allergies can be life-threatening and affect about 1 in 13 children in the United States. Okay, let me just stop right there and say that it so saddens me that there are so many food allergies out there today and that we even have to do something like this. I I myself am a victim of food allergies, and they've just developed within the past few years. So I know how difficult it is to constantly be on the lookout for certain ingredients. And I can't imagine what parents have to go through when their children have allergies. Um, and like I said earlier, I, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that food allergies are running rampant today like never before. There are many reasons, um, but let's I digress. Let's get back to the campaign. Homeowners are being encouraged to place a teal paint and pumpkin and sign outside their door if they're offering any non-food treats. Some examples of those treats might be you know, little braces or necklaces, pencils, markers, crayons, erasers, bubbles, bouncy balls, and stickers. Organizers say homeowners can, can still give out candy, too, but they should use a separate bowl for the non-food treats. So I, I'm thankful that more awareness is being given to food allergies, as, as so many of them are life-threatening. I also want to make you aware of uh, Women's Voices for the Earth is doing, they recently um, had some test results for some toxic chemicals that they found in women's uh, personal care products. So I'm going to have Women's Voices of the Earth on the show in November, and I look forward to, to hearing more about this. But if you want to give... Uh, Always is actually the one that they tested. If you want to give their headquarters a call, it's at 800-888-3115. And do your part and make your voice heard. Um, Ask them to disclose the ingredients that are in their their products. So we're coming up to the close of the the end of our program. So thank you for listening in. Um, I'd like to thank our guest again uh, today. His name was Zachary Schaefer of No GMO for Michigan. And Zach can be found at No GMO for Michigan. It's the number for Michigan.org. I'd also like to invite you to visit my website at livingnaturaltoday.com and download your free resource guide about minimizing toxins. Next week, we'll be having Kristen Voorhees of Celiac Central on to speak about all things gluten-free. Until then, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health. See you next week. Thank you for joining Teresa Jungling for this week's edition of Living Natural Today, out with toxins, in with your health. Please tune in again next Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 